How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to yet another episode of your favorite podcast, Scales and Tales, your favorite swim bait podcast, actually. Today, I am joined by Jared Keekern. I fucking asked him how to say it, too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let him introduce himself. Um, Once you guys hear his name and hear his Instagram handle and his business name, you guys are going to put two and two together and realize, like, oh, shit, I know that guy. So uh, I'll let Jared take take the stage and he can introduce himself and we'll go from there. Yeah, so my name's Jared Kiernan. Uh, it's an Irish last name, so it'll throw you off a little bit. Uh, I am the owner of Fall of 74, the swim bait rap company. Um, and that's the handle on Instagram is Fall of 74. Yeah, and uh, I'll, like in, in the description and everything, I'll, I'll uh, tag you in that and everything, all your socials. So uh, I guess really just starting it off before we kind of dive into fall 74 how how did you get into swim baiting you're a california guy for guy or for people who aren't aware did you grow up in cali uh fishing and then kind of wandered your way into swim baits or how did that all get started for you yeah i uh, grew up in cali i was born in born in uh northern california um my grandfather had a, a ranch up in the mountains and he had like a, a pond there and streams and so i fished i grew up fishing like trout fishing right uh with my grandpa fishing okay uh the little ponds there catfishing and trout fishing and that kind of thing from real little um kind of got into it because my grandfather my dad my dad wasn't a fisherman um he took me a couple times when i was younger uh and then we lived in a little town called elk grove which is south of sacramento and um in that town there was a by my house there was a fish hatchery where they they raised uh striped bass but they had these holding ponds and it was full of largemouth and and all kinds of all kinds of different uh, weird fish in there. But um, that's where I really got into bass fishing. I was probably I used to ride my bike there. I was probably man seven eight years old when I first started bass fishing. Uh, wow. Yeah, I was young. And like I said, my dad wasn't into it, so I really got into like. Uh, and back then, you got to keep in mind, I'm I'm an old man. I'm 47 years old. So a long time ago, I was <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't like social media or anything to really uh kind of give me guidance and and uh you know how to do this thing so i started off doing like live bait and uh, frogs and different things and then i found um this guy named roland martin and i found some videos of him and i'm like this dude is amazing so uh i just watched roland martin videos uh, just religiously and and uh my my parents bought me some books and i just started reading about bass bass behavior and and uh, watching all the roland martin stuff and kind of developed my own way of, of fishing for bass really in that little pond uh, all those years ago wow <clears throat> so like uh for people who aren't really sure i mean you've caught a lot of fish you've caught a lot of big fish and do you do you put that to your root of reading those books when you were seven eight years old and just kind of uh, I guess really just honing in on how these fish behave and what they do when they do it, what time of year and everything. Yeah. You know, I really would say that I, I, the, the bass fishing, the bass fishing is what really opened my mind. I trout fish and I did all those, you know, bluegill and all that kind of stuff, but the bass fishing was just super interesting to me. And it just quickly became like a passion. I mean, from, from, I don't know, I was probably seven years old. Uh, and so fishing for bass was just like, it blew my mind. I thought it was the most amazing thing, uh, to watch the, the baits they would eat and, and, you know, the way, the way they fed and just, uh, just all the different things. And I, I, um, I learned a lot 
just for the years of riding my bike up to this pond every day, fishing and trying everything I saw Roland Martin doing. I tried live bait. I watched how they reacted to the live bait, you know, that I fished when I was young. Yeah. Um, and that really is what, uh, I mean, once I started catching bass, it was over in my brain. That, that was the, um, I mean, I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't want to do anything else but fish for bass. And, and it's been that way since I was probably six or seven. And that's what's led me through my life is just constantly at first it was just I just want to catch a lot of fit a lot of bass and then of course it started getting into I want to catch bigger fish I want to catch bigger fish and bigger fish and so I kept up upgrading my my bait selection now back in the day there wasn't anything like swim baits right so yeah for me right. using like a spinner bait was gig was a gigantic like crazy thing I can't imagine a fish eating something like this um and but sure enough, man, they were they were eating the eating these giant baits that I thought they were at the time, and and um, so yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Was this little pond? I just kept I like I said, I started with with uh, live bait, and and then I started watching that Roland Martin stuff, and started introducing plastic worms and and uh, spinner baits and all, all these other different baits, hula poppers and <laughs> jitterbugs. Like these are like old old baits, right, from a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I that that's and then I so I really just got into bass fishing that way, and uh, it I mean the the I think what made me continue to just it, to this very day is I just want to be better at it, right? I want to understand more about their behavior. I want to understand more about you know what what makes these fish do what they do, and they they act differently. And shit, man, one lake fishes one way, and another lake fishes one a different way, and the fish in this lake, you know. <laughs> They 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 uh, they correlate to different things differently at different places, and and it's trying to figure that all out. It, it literally is a lifetime uh, adventure, and uh, you I don't know if you ever figure it out. Maybe if you're a, a Butch Brown or something, you, you think you've got yeah. to figure it out. But for me, um, I, I, it's every single time I go, it's a brand new experience. It's something I'm I'm trying to take something away from it every time to get better. Something I learn that I pay attention to and try to get better on. So around, <clears throat> how, how old were you when you first, I mean, out there, what was the first swim bait? Like the Castaic, oh, those uh, soft baits with the hard I remember, yeah, or AC yeah. plug maybe even? AC plug, that's, I was just going to, that's, you took the words right out of my mouth. So I bought right. an AC plug and uh, <laughs> I took it to a, to a, I was probably 16 years old. I was just starting to drive um, and I got an AC plug. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. I look like, in fact, I went to play so I didn't look like a, look like a dork throwing some kind of giant bait or i i thought it was kind of embarrassing um and i took it to like a slough off the delta and okay. i caught striper i started catching these big striper i big to me back then they were like four <laughs> or five pounds and i was like oh, oh my gosh they're really these fish are really biting this thing and and so it was the ac plug and then of course like the ace you know the uh you're, you're right the old castaics came out right when castaic came out but really right. and even to that point um I think, in, man, I, I can't do dates. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I was probably um, mid twenties when. No, I guess I was older than that. I was in my late twenties. Anyway, uh, Huddleston. That's when shit really switched for me, and I probably for a lot of people. I was already kind of throwing big baits, what I thought were big baits, these AC plugs, and that some of the, and I'm, I'm talking like six inch baits, right? Um, and then the the Huddleston came out. And they were like a hundred bucks, hundred twenty bucks each when they were first came out. You could, you could, you, I mean, now I know. Listening to Butch Brown, he freaking was buying them all. 
um, and hoarding them. But I, I got a couple of them here and there, and that's what really changed. I hadn't caught a 10-pound bass uh, my entire life until that, until that, uh, that Huddleston came out. And that's when everything, that's when everything completely changes when that Huddleston came out. Yeah. So what was did at that point in time, that first Huddleston that came out, was it just offered in the eight inch or was there a six inch too? No, it was just the eight inch. Um, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was just, just the eight inch and, um, they, they had the R of five, they had the 12 and I think they had the 16, but I kept getting this, this R of five. That was the one that, um, I, I initially got, it was like a Brown one. It was like the hitch color, whatever he did. Yeah. Um, yep. <clears throat> that was the first one that I got. And that, that's man, dude, that, was, that, that I, and I know it was for a lot of people. Like I used to fish with, uh, like Matt Allen, uh, at a local lake. We used to, we, we fished quite a bit together back a long time ago, a long time ago. Um, <laughs> right when, right when that Huddleston was coming out. Is okay. Doing that, yeah. Damn. So, like, obviously, swim baits at first come out. Were you guys using saltwater rod and reels, or did Shimano have the uh, the uh, shit? What would that be? Yeah, the no, Con- they- conquest Calcutta and stuff. Yeah, no, no, we were using like, um, yeah, it was, it was like saltwater gear. Um, it, it was saltware. Well, first we were doing like flipping sticks, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. They were, so we were using like flipping sticks and old Corrado's and, uh, like a Daiwa. I think it, it wasn't called a millionaire. There was another Daiwa that was in there. I can't oh, remember. The zillionaire? Or no, the yeah. There was some lower end stuff that we would use. Um, I know that that's usually what I, what I did. My first, in fact, my first custom rod and swim bait rod I ever did was an LDC. I was like one of the first people Ben, when Ben started LDC, um, I reached out to him and had him build me a reggae rod. I still have all the pictures. I was like, man, two, man, I don't remember what year that was, but I was one of his first customers right at the very beginning um, is when he built the, that was my first swim bait rod was, was an LDC. Okay. I, yeah. Actually, you know, what? I take that back. You know what else came a little bit before that, um, which I couldn't get because they were so expensive was the G Loomis swim bait rods. They used to have these G Loomis BBR rods. Uh, like back bouncing rods, salmon rods, and we we started to use some of those um, as swim bait rods. They weren't swim bait wasn't really a big thing yet, so they weren't selling. You know, they weren't producing swim bait specific rods or reels. It was like whatever they were using for salmon, or um, I, they were called back bouncing rods at the time. So we started using kind of that gear, uh, which was designed more for like salmon and bigger fish, and we just used it for for the for the bass. Damn. I can't, I mean, like, so more or less, like, you were, you were on that first push of, like, quote, pioneers in, like, the swim bait world, and I think a lot of guys my age, I mean, I'm only 20, and I know a shit ton of guys my <laughs> age who, who have been in this for four or five years since our early teens, and, like, we, we got into it, and uh, it was, it was made for us, like, I mean, we had, the, the nice gear was out and everything, like, we weren't, we weren't like engineering rods and shit just to fish these baits. Like there was production rods. You didn't have to go out and get a full custom rod by LDC. Right. You didn't right. have to spend $400 on a G Loomis, the rod you were talking about. Like everything was at our fingertips relative to what, what you guys had back then. I mean, what, right. 20 years ago or like 18 years ago. Yeah. I would say 2003, 2004. That, that's when I, that's when I first started fishing the Huddleston. Fishing some of the bigger, like the big, bout, uh, you know, salmon type rods, yeah, was back yep. probably, yeah, was probably, geez, Louise, dude, time is going by. I, I yeah, that was probably <laughs> two thousand three, two thousand four is when that when I first started doing. That's what twenty, 
20 years ago. Yeah. So at that point in time, was it kind of like, uh, like relative to now, was it like a real hush hush, like cool kid community? Like only there's only a couple guys in SoCal, North Cal that were fishing this stuff. And like, you guys kept it under wraps. Obviously you didn't have to worry about your spot getting burned on Facebook or anything, but like, like there wasn't pictures of you guys holding up AC plugs and stripers mounts in the tackle <laughs> shops. Was there? No, you know, that's funny because, no, we didn't have, and again, we didn't have the social media, right? So we couldn't, even if we were catching fish, we weren't really putting them up on, on social media um, yeah, because yeah. that just wasn't such a big thing yet. Um, I, but I did, I, so growing up in California, especially the SoCal um, during those years, like early 2000s, uh, there was, I mean, and well, I mean, even through the 90s, there was like the Bob Krupies and uh, they, they were chasing Dottie, you know, and, and um, all that stuff was happening down in down in socal even the mike long like those are some of the guys early early that i remember paying attention to and i i just thought it was a socal thing but i thought we could get bigger we could catch bigger bass here um and keep in mind at at that time i hadn't even caught a 10 pound bass yet um so i still was trying to wrap my brain around a a 10 pound bass that just yeah right yeah and so finally um finally when i got to huddleston um, I went out to a local lake and, um, uh, I was, I remember I was in a float tube. I, I was out in a float tube, uh, the, you know, the lake that me and me and Matt Allen had fished and, uh, some other guys. And, um, I threw out that Huddleston out in like 20 feet of water. I counted it down to like 10 and just started slowly working it back. And I got this thump that I, like I'd never felt. And I, I set the hook and I had caught, I was 10, like 10, four, my first, my first one ever. And it was on that Huddleston. Um, and that, it was that moment really that, um, even, even though I was throwing big, big baits before that, I was trying to figure out, you know, the right equipment and, you know, figure out how to do this thing. It wasn't until that fish, till I caught that fish and it just, it just something snapped in my brain. And I was like, this is it. This is all I want to catch moving forward. I don't care about, I don't care about five pounders. I don't care about seven pounds. I just want this fish that I was holding. I want this every time I go fishing. How do I do that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how long, how much longer was it when, um, you, so you, you fished the Huddleston for probably like five or six years before it really got yeah. big. And I mean, big, not even necessarily how it is now, not even close, but right. Like how, how did, how did you have to order them back then? Like, did you have oh to go to the tackle shop and make an order through the shop or? Yeah. There was some shops in SoCal. Uh, I would call down there and find out if they had any. And they're like, yeah, you know, we sold out. They were just sold out all the time. Um, I think I picked one up secondhand initially, and I think I paid one hundred twenty-five dollars for an eight-inch Huddleston. Um, and then they were super hard to come by for th- those five years. They were extremely difficult to come by. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's. I, I remember having to buy them from. There was a store I got one from down in SoCal. I don't remember the name of the store. Some some tackle shop, um, and then. Yeah, I think that's how it first started. And I got I picked one up secondhand, and I, that's all I fished for probably four or five years. That is all I fished was that Huddleston, the R five Huddleston. That's all I fished, and I probably caught. So I caught that first fish on that Huddleston, and then I started hooking some bigger fish, and they were they were they. I had one break my line. I had one Damn. shake. You know, I had them shaking it off. Big ones. Yeah. And, and, like they had never seen these fish had never seen anything like these before. Um, there was something called the stalker trout 
for a while. I don't know if you've ever heard of the stalker trout. That was another one that came out probably in the early 2000s. It had big wings on the side. It was a big trout bait. It was probably eight inches, and and it it was it was so clunky. Um, but I, so I knew there was a lot of swim baits starting to be made. But that Huddleston, um, that Huddleston was was just the deal. I mean, once. Those fish had no idea. I don't know what it was. They yeah. were, it's like they went nuts, and they and as soon as you would throw in the water, you would just constantly be getting big fish. And it's not like obviously, it's not like that anymore. That that probably only lasted for five or six years till obviously the word till well then Ken started really mass producing them and putting them yeah, out there. Right, and then everybody had them, and the fish just smartened up for me. They smartened up real quick and we're like, yeah, I, fuck, I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen that day like <laughs> a thousand times now. And um, then it was right. all about, well, everybody's fishing it the same way. They're throwing it, you know, a 12 mostly and, and they're fishing it the same way. They're passing the same thing. And then, so then, it, then I started thinking, well, how can I fish this differently? It's the same bait, but how can I present it differently so that the fish are like, well, I haven't seen it like that before. Um, and I started cutting, cutting the gills and putting the, the red in the gills Yep, yeah, um, you know, I did, did all these mods. I try to put fins on the side, like pectoral fins on, or uh, yeah, on the side, so so that would add some like secondary action to it, and that helped a little bit. Um, so yeah, that that's but but that's where it really all started. Was all that huddles? That was really where it started for me. I guess before we before we leave the Huddleston train, was this obviously I'm not familiar with it at all because this was way before my time. I was two or three while you were fishing these Huddlestons. Um, <laughs> Were they only offered in jig hook or were they offered just in a belly trouble or could you get a little bit of both? And then was, was like, obviously it wasn't Butch Brown uh, style then, but like, was there ways that you guys were rigging them relative to how they're being sold to you guys from Ken? Yeah. Um, so no, they didn't have jig hooks. They were the one, the 12 did. All, the R5 did not used to, when it was, when we were first getting them, they didn't have a jig hook. It was just uh, it was just a bait, and then there was a there was like a ring on the bottom, and I just put a treble, like I think it was like a one, a number one treble or a one knot treble on the belly, uh, and that's it. That's all I would use. Um, it, that that was the only way that we rigged it, that I rigged it for a long, long, probably five or six years. That's all I fished was a, a treble on the bottom, and then and then obviously when when Butch got a hold of it, started doing the Butch Brown rig, and there just became so many different ways to rig it. Um, uh, I, I started, you know, messing around with it, but by by the time it really started to come out, I started to lose a lot of interest in it because I, I just weren't. I was not getting the fish anymore. I wasn't getting yeah. the follows. I wasn't getting the bites. I wasn't catching the fish on that Huddleston. I probably caught, I would say, in that four or five year period, that five year period, I would say, I probably caught twelve fish over ten pounds on that on that, and I probably lost, dude. I was so under, <laughs> not ready to catch fish like oh, yeah, that. Yeah, undergunned. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I, I probably lost ten or fifteen fish that were easy oh double digits gosh. during that period. So, yeah, that. So, but that's when things just really accelerated, as far as like, okay, big baits. This is where we're going, and and um, yeah, yeah I, right it's crazy. Sure. It's crazy. So, so when you kind of, when that kind of fizzed out the uh, the whole uh, HUD thing for you. That had to probably be around like 2008, 2009. Did you know Butch was fishing the 250? Did you know what a depths 250 was? Had you heard nope. about that through the grapevine out there or no? Not at all. I had, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea. I didn't even, I remember, the, I remember the first time I saw the depths 250 and I saw it in action. I was like, holy fuck. This, I mean, it was, you know, a glide too. Back yeah, in the yeah. glides weren't a thing. 
it was this big soft bait and that's what a lot of people made like there was a lot of big soft baits um, there wasn't a lot of big hard baits 316 right. is another company um that started dude way back in the early 2000s um he was mickey was down in uh i know how people feel about him now and i i get that <laughs> I, I mean even i'm blocked on uh 316 now but uh, back in the day, I was buying a bunch of his, like his mission fish. I started fishing his mission fish. Um, he had the rising sun. He had a lot of yeah, soft yeah. plastics. Um, and, and then he started doing some of the, of the hard baits. And that's, I started swinging from the Huddleston to 316. It's literally, I kind of transitioned from there to, to that. That was my transition period, probably. Okay. Yeah. And did you see those fish that had lost interest in the HUD? Did you see them kind of? Uh, spark spark something when you started fishing a hard i mean a, a glide bait in general that's fucking something these fish yeah. have never ever seen before right right yeah no it did uh, so uh at the time he had he did wasn't even making glides he had these wake baits he had those soft plastics and, and oh okay and so i was fishing these wakes a lot uh that was like i really got into wake bait fishing um like seven inch eight inch uh wake baits and he, he had one called the armageddon um, like the, the old school Armageddon. Um, and I had a couple of those, I would throw those as I was transitioning out. And yeah, they would, but they weren't on these baits the way they were with, with the Huddleston. So when, so when I started catching them on the Huddleston, I thought, oh dude, <laughs> these fish are so, they're gonna, this is all we need to do. And then once they smartened up, <laughs> it, it's, ne I've never seen a bait since then um, that, that got fish like that Huddleston did. And I've fished, every swim bait since then um starting with the 316 and then i found baitsmith that was was baitsmith which is hog hunter now baitsmith yep, yeah. ago. um and that was a bigger bait so i like the idea that these fish are all watching the eight inch baits eight inch baits eight inch baits and all of a sudden this baitsmith comes around it's a totally different um you know it's a different size it swims differently and, and so i i kind of jumped off the the wake bait thing and started focusing on the it was obviously depending on time of year too but um, I started doing the Batesmith Magnum for a long time. I started fishing that quite a bit. Damn. So, I mean, you, you, you pick up these swim baits, you catch your first 10 and then fast forward five, six years, you catch, uh, you catch a, a bunch more and you lose fuck a shit ton more. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so you have I it did. in your head at that point in time, was it pretty much just swim bait or nothing? Like you, when you'd go yes. out, you had your swim bait rods and that was about it. Yeah, like I said, when I when I caught that first ten, it was game over. And so, I after and after that, after the Huddleston bites started to really kind of die down for me, um, I started really diving into the glides, to the wakes, to the you, you know, I started really going out there to find something that that could um, be as magical as that Huddleston. I'd never really found anything that was that was that dynamic as as the Huddleston was at the beginning. Um, I just started fishing all kinds of different baits. And then I started, what I started to do was figure out that and develop my own style of swim bait fishing, right? I fish my style of swim bait fishing, whether it's a glide or a wake or a big trout bait, I, I'm going to fish it a certain way. I'm going to fish it, um, you know, according to a, a specific style of fishing that I like to do, whether yeah, I, I'm a yeah. power fisher, I like to move, I like to find, you know, I like to find active fish. I do like when I go out fishing now, I, I get in the boat and I'll cruise the shoreline for probably 10 minutes in the mornings. It just looking and I'm watching, you know, where fish are positioned, where they're located. Are there are any up shallow, you know, like, and, and, and it, it starts start to kind of put it, put it together. Like, what are we doing today? And, um, and then based off that, and that what really what I started to figure out was 
it's not just a bait. It's not just a bait, right? It's, it's, you have to start to, because at first with the Huddleston was so successful that all you had to do was tie one on and throw it into the water. And I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, people were just catching fish everywhere on that Huddleston. It, like, it was just magic. Everybody was into it. It made people that aren't very good at swim bait fishing look like they were really good, good at swim bait fishing. Right. And when it tailed off, it's like, okay, now I really need to start figuring out if this is the fish I want to catch. I really need to start figuring out how these fish relate every, every single day, right? Um, whether it's spring or summer or winter or fall or, you know, how are, what are they doing and how are they positioned and, and how do they feed and what windows do they feed in? I, you know, I started figuring out that there's fishing windows, right? That these fish will come up and feed on certain windows and, and um, it's like the, oh, from 11 to one. That was like, uh, that was a big period for a long time. I would only fish from 11 to one and I would only fish yeah. on days when the, it, it, this is how ridiculous it gets because you, you get almost, you almost lose your mind. Right. Yeah. You're so focused and you're so into it. I, I wouldn't fish on days that, that the moon was up. If the moon was up in the sky, I was like, yeah, I, I'm just not feeling it. If, the, if I was anywhere near a full moon, I wasn't doing it. Um, I, I started getting really weird and you know, wacky ideas. Like <laughs> I, I can only fish in these specific windows and at these specific times. And, and that was, that started, it started to get real tedious. Um, and it wasn't as much as fun. It wasn't as fun as it had been. Um, yeah. so I had to kind of shake free of that and, and start doing, doing different things. But, and now I've learned it, it's not, there are specific window feeding, uh, feeding windows and there are certain things, but there's other ways of doing it. That's not just so, so specific all the time. Yeah. So, um, I mean, do you remember, uh, it must've been like winter, 2000, 2010, uh, spring 2011, like, I don't know relative, like how, how big it was back then, but like when Southern trout eaters dropped, oh. do you remember that dropping? And then just, you, you go to the boat ramp and everybody's fishing a HUD or you go to the tackle store and the guy has a hundred HUDs on the walls in the bags just waiting to be sold because everybody knows what this bait is and yep. it's perceived to be this magic bait but these people don't know you guys have been fishing them for five years already and these <laughs> fish are kind of kind of keyed in on what the hell this yeah. is and like i'm not gonna fucking eat that yeah right that's exactly right um yeah in fact there was a story um I, one of my my lake i fish all the time is very very like super clear like 20 feet visibility uh giant giant fish in it and i remember a specific time uh, where I was throwing a Huddleston, this is right at the end of it, where I wasn't getting bit anymore, really. And I, but I was forcing it, I was forcing it. I remember this fish, it wasn't very big, six, probably six, six or seven pounds, swimming eye to eye with my bait, like literally <laughs> side by side. And schooling with it almost. Yeah. And it was like, it was like watching the bait, like, nah, this, this, I've seen it. And it, and it just veered off. And it was such a contrast from when I first started fishing, where the fish were like just, would close their eyes and just eat it like no like there wasn't even a question in their mind now all of a sudden i'm watching them swim next to the bait you know you know and, but and then because it grew, it blew up so much everybody had to have a huddleston to this day yeah to this day people are still like oh i gotta throw a huddleston every time i go fishing i am seeing dudes throwing huddlestons and they do the same thing they're casting as far as they can I'm like away from the bait, you know and doing the same exact thing and they don't i don't know how they, they they don't catch they just aren't catching fish i mean i watch right them. uh i watch them so yeah that was a i remember that very specific instance where that fish was just watching it and veered off and i'm like no way these these fish know and this is like a six pounder um and the bigger yeah. they are the more they know like there there's 
probably been caught on one already. So, yeah, that. And then I, I, um, I want I went to that bait smith, and that kind of died off. And then I noticed this bait maker, uh, Nate, Nate's baits. Yeah. And he had a line through, and I was like, oh, I, you know, I. That is like a really perfect size for what I want to do. And I went and I went and got some of his baits, and I could not get him to swim straight. I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I mean, I could not get the thing to swim straight or do anything. I, I was really frustrated. I put it away, and um, I remember he, Nate messaged me one time about the bait because I bought one from him. This was years ago, and I'm like, Nate, um, I, you know, I can't get it to swim straight, and and. Um, he gave me some pointers on how to rig the line through portion. And um, so I really took that and started the, the, back in the day that Nate's bait had a, a hollow head. And um, I started finding different plastics that would fit snugly in the belly. And I started really developing a way to fish that Nate's bait and um, ended up, that's been probably my, since the Huddleston, that has been the biggest uh, fish catcher I've had. It's big fish catcher that I've had since then. And now that baits that baits almost. I mean, it's been probably four or five years. I I I, I don't get as many bites on that bait anymore either. It's crazy. It's kind of, I mean, like you're uh, you're doing this on like an OG level, like you said, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Relative to me, like I live in the middle of BFE, <laughs> Michigan, and nobody nobody knew what the fuck a swim bait was. I mean, they knew right. what a, they knew what a three three and a half inch Kitek was, right? And, I mean, I come to school one day, I was a uh, sophomore and talking to my buddies, a uh, fishing group. And uh, I'm like, yeah, like I just bought, I just bought this bait or no, I, j I, <laughs> so I got my first baits cause I wrote a paper for a kid out in California. I wrote him a school paper and he sent me out a slammer and, wow. a gant or yeah. and another bait and uh, ended up getting it, traded it for a gantrel. Cause I'm like, these baits are fucking huge. First time I'd ever seen it. And so I come to school, I'm like, yeah, I got this bait in the mail today. It's uh it's like a six inch bluegill bait and everybody's like six inch. Like, dude, that's right. fucking crazy. That's huge. You're right. not going to catch anything on it. And, uh, I mean like relative to like what you were saying, it was an untapped thing here. So I'm fishing it on a, I'm fishing it on a six, nine jerk bait rod and I'm <laughs> um, casting out my gantrell. Like I probably caught like six fish my first day I ever fished it. Wow. And it was just, it was crazy to me because these fish, like, like you said, they weren't even thinking about it. They were just, they were instinctively eating it because they thought it was a bluegill. And, uh, after that, like it probably took about a year, year and a half for kids my age or just people from around my, around the, my area to be like, holy shit, like this kid's onto something. Like I would get gooned all the time for fishing. Like, um, I remember when I bought a Hinkle trout blank, it, it was baseball practice. I sent uh, Andrew Hinkle an email. I'm like, Hey, like I'll buy one Hinkle, Hinkle blank. Like I didn't know how the fuck this shit worked. Like somebody's like, yeah. you just have to email the guy. So I sent him an email, <laughs> uh, finally got the bait. And I remember like I was riding home uh, from a baseball game and my parents, it was like a two hour, it was a two hour uh, away game. And my parents came and watched me and they brought me this blank because I'd been fucking waiting for it for like eight or nine months. And I just remember opening up this like, it's like a fucking 14 inch box. <clears throat> and I opened up this box <laughs> on the bus ride and all my buddies who fish around the baseball team, they're like, dude, that thing is fucking huge. And at that point in time, I'd caught fish on like the phony, yep. uh, even the, even the 250, like the 250 was big. But I opened up this box. I'm like, holy shit, like this thing is huge. Um, I went yep. home that night. I put two coats of gold spray paint on it. Next day, I went out and caught a fish on it. And I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> like these fish are crazy. And this was about going on four years now. And um, I don't live around there anymore. But when I go up there, I fish. And it's just crazy to see 
um, these fish not really instinctively eat like they used to. I mean, there's a bunch of kids up there who fish like uh, like the Wish Amazon-style swim baits. So these yeah, fish yeah, obviously yeah. don't see these baits, but they know what the fuck's up. But, I mean, yep. I can still go up there and catch fish, but it's just – it's 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 so crazy to think about like the quote unquote the good old days like where you could just cast blindly and you'd you'd yeah. catch four or five fish a day yeah you know and i i think i honestly think that there is that that possibility in every lake it, all across the country I, I really i really really think that there are people fishing these lakes and there's they they um i i think there's baits that are still out there um that are just not being utilized properly in the right places where you know like like a certain body of water right there everybody's using a specific like that like let's we'll just say huddleston and yeah yep. they don't realize that a slight just changing something up just a tiny bit um can make a huge huge difference so yeah they make it they may get tuned in on a bait but a lot of times you know you know i gotta tell you my biggest influence in my fishing life um has been mike gilbert like by far uh, he's he's changed the, so many things about the way I think of of big fish um, and how they how they feed and how they relate. And um, he always talks about doing things just completely different than what everybody else is doing. I've seen guys that are throwing hot pink baits and they're catching fish, and you're struggling. And it, I just think sometimes it's just changing something up just a little bit, even lightening the line from a, from twenty five yeah. pound to twenty can make a huge difference. So. If you're constantly tweaking and trying to get get better and better and better and change things up and just watch what other people do are doing. You now with social media, you see what everybody and the YouTube channels, you can see what everybody's doing. The DRTs, the UFOs, you can see what everybody's doing. And there's hype baits, right? There's hype baits all the time. That's another thing that's so interesting to me is the hype baits. Everybody jumps on the DRT, not that it's a bad bait or, or it is a, an amazing bait, whatever. Uh, I think a bait is just a bait, personally, yeah, except yeah. for that Huddleston when it first came out. That was like a whole different <laughs> scenario. But but now I feel like bait. <laughs> right, yeah, like that just changed everything. But now I feel like th- there's specific groups of baits, whether it's a glide or a wake or a rat bait or or whatever. And then within that 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 category, there's all these there's all these different options, right? If you want to talk about rat bait. Then you can start with stray rats, and you can, you know, and you can go through all these different baits, and they all swim differently, they all act differently, um, and and then you, as the fisherman, can start to develop your own way of fishing things. I don't fish a Wake Junior. The Wake Junior has been in my arsenal from way back, like two thousand four or five, um, and that, I've never put that bait down. But I've changed the way I fish it so many times because it's a versatile bait that I can. And it depends, like on the Delta, I'll fish it a certain way. But then when I go out to another lake, it has to be like almost dead creep crawled. Um, so starting to learn your water, I think learning your waters, learning the behavior of the fish, and then narrowing down like the baits that you want to use, right? Like uh, if you're going to be fishing glides that day or, or whatever, just depending on the conditions and time of year and what they're feeding on and the whole, the whole gamut of things you you start you should start to really separate yourself i think that's the biggest thing separating yourself and it's the little things a lot of times it's the little things that are the big things right it's the key it's that it's the thing that you're doing differently than everybody else Ian, and it could be this dude it could be the same bait it's just that you have a lighter line it could be that you're fishing in a place that other people aren't throwing it in you could be at a cadence that nobody else is throwing it in um yeah 
Yeah. All kinds of little, that's what I've learned over the years. It's the little tiny things. You can't just tie on a hinkle and go out to a lake and start throwing a glide bait. I mean, you can, and, and you may catch one, <laughs> but it's, it's the guys who um, just do things differently. And then on top of that, the other layer is really figuring out in each lake and even parts of a lake fish different than the other part of the lake, right? So, oh, for so sure. Yeah. Figuring out how these fish are relating, what they're feeding on, what their feeding window is. Um, all those kinds of things. And that should focus, that should direct you more towards the kind of bait that you want to throw as opposed to like, I'm going out with the DRT today because the DRT is super amazing and everybody has yeah. one and it's, it's the height bait. Well, that is just because it's a height bait. That's more for the fishermen, um, I, in my opinion, right? It's, it's everybody has one and yeah, you need to have one, but blah, blah, blah. But, and they do <laughs> catch fish, but the truth is when you go out, you should really just pay attention to what the fish are doing and then go into whatever style bait you, whether it's big, soft, it doesn't matter and start fishing baits in that, in that category and learning the bait and then maybe changing it up a little bit, you know, and, and doing different things. And I'm telling you, you'll, you'll start putting things together until you're like, damn, I got it. I got it. And you'll know when you right. got it. I think, um, us as anglers, we've kind of, Going back to like not having any social media, you got, you guys figured that shit out for yourself relative yeah, for to sure. now we have the ability to go on some bit universe, to go on the underground right. forums, to go on any Facebook forum and not necessarily get spoon fed, but more or less just get handed the information of what works in California, what works in Virginia, what works in Texas. And, and I, people in my opinion, they try to go and replicate that in Nebraska and in some random state, they buy this thing. And then they ask for every suggestion, how do you fish it? What line do you fish on? What rod do I need relative to relative to going out and fishing the bait, how they, they perceive their fish to, they, they don't, people don't get feedback from the fish. They rather go out and ask somebody on some bait universe or underground. How do I fish this bait? How do you fish it? Exactly. Yeah, you nailed it. People are more concerned with what other people and other people in the swim bait world are doing and how they, you know, because (laughs) social media and I mean, whether it's swim bait universe or whatever, it can be brutal. Uh, People will, people will attack you for the dumbest shit, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, they'll, they'll attack you. I think what, what helped me was the absence of social media at the beginning. Uh, And I, I mean that in a way where I didn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't asking people. You're right. I had to figure out on my own what these fish, how they were, how this worked. And then once it started to click, um, I mean, I remember my first 10 pounder, I've caught 35 fish over 10 pounds since then. 35. Oh my gosh. And I've, I've lost, bro. I mean, I can't even tell you every year I lose multiple double, you know, double digit fish. I, I lost one uh, a couple years ago. I lost, I mean, everybody's lost a big one. We can all say that, but I've, I legitimately <laughs> have lost a couple 15s, 16s in that range um, from real dumb shit. Um, but, but to your point about social media and people using baits, um, it, it's, it's really about, and I think that's why I had the advantage. I wasn't, I didn't have social media, so I wasn't listening. Cause if you go on and you start reading, people are like, Hey, what's the best rod to throw a DRT on? And I, it blows my mind. And I understand they're new. They don't, they're now, they're just trying to figure it out. And so I don't judge them for it, but, but that is the wrong question. In my opinion, it, that's just the wrong question. I mean, if you're wondering what rod to throw this bait on, you're just so into your, you're just so into, I mean, I was throwing Huddleston's on a, on a, on a flipping stick. And then I was throwing <laughs> yeah. on a salmon rod. Like 
it didn't matter. It's, it did the job. And yeah, everything's been dialed in a thousand times better now, um, obviously. But uh, you got to pay attention to what the fish are doing, the way they're reacting, how they're feed. Just watch for a little bit and, and get sometimes I think separating from social media and and Instagram and, and, and all these things and just going out and focusing on the little tiny things, the little things um, are what separates the really good fishermen to the guys that are just out there chucking and winding all day long and occasionally catch a fish on a swim bait. Um, that, that's the difference. I really think that's the difference. Yeah. There was a point in time before uh, the first swim bait gathering. So it had been October, 2019. There was a point in time where, I was like, okay, like I'm just gonna grind. Like I figured out um, a Lake Michigan bite, and I just wanted to catch a shit ton of fish. So I'd go out every day after school, after work, once I graduated, and I would just, I'd go and I'd catch two or three fish a day. And this happened for probably about two or three months. And I remember going out to the gathering, and I was hanging out with a big group of really well-known guys uh, a couple days before, and they were all asking who I was. And it was because I didn't have, I was still, I was still fairly new to hold the whole swim bait thing. So like, it's not like I was quote unquote known. But like, I'm like, oh, I'm this. I'm Adrian and Dean. This is my name. I live up in Michigan. Here, here's some pictures of the fish I catch. And these guys are like, oh, like those are really good fish. And I'm not saying it's because I, I quote unquote disconnected because I was still on Facebook and I was still posting fish. But I wasn't <laughs> actively looking for answers for people who do shit differently two thousand miles away. I was kind of on my own own uh, thought train, just kind of doing what I thought worked. And I figured out what worked, and I just I stuck with it as long as I could. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I hate to use, you know, like Butch Brown as an example or, or Gilbert or some of these other guys that they, I don't think they're going online <laughs> and searching for what people are doing. Does that make sense? Or what bait is hot right oh, now? Yeah. yeah. They don't, they don't. And the reason they are who they are is because they don't give a fuck about that. What they care about is the fish, right. And how they, they just try to figure out how these fish are, are you know, <laughs> are, re, are, doing what they do every day. That's what you have to figure out. This fish is, you know, a 10 pounder has been living for, you know, 10, 11, 12 years in the same water. They know that water. They know every rock. They know every weed. They know, you know, nothing's going to come along that they don't know. And to trick that fish into eating something that's not real um, is, is, a, is, is crazy. So how do you do that, right? And I, and I really think people need to focus more on, so a lot of the younger guys and the people getting into it, they're just so caught up in, in the game, right? The game, the swim bait game, that they lose track of, of the real thing. Is just, is, and, and a lot of guys are getting into fishing and they start swim baiting. I started, yeah. I started with live bait. Like I had a really good foundation of, of watching bass eat just a, a frog on top of the water. I remember catching frogs all the time. I loved you know, and then hook them through the leg and throw them out there. I thought I just am <laughs> watching how that worked. And I think that has benefited me now over the years where I can, I, I have all that knowledge of, of how fish reacted. It's not like, oh man, the other day I was online. I saw somebody say that this DRT, you know, this specific joy thief color is the way to go. Like it, th that's not what made me any better. It was just right. paying attention to what's happening on the water every second and and my family can attest my wife my kids like when i go i'm not fun to even really be around because because i can't pay attention to anything else i'm so hyper focused on what's happening in front of me uh that i i i, I it's hard to pay attention to anything else 
And, and I, I really think that it takes that type of um, focus and dedication and, and your own self-learning to, to figure it out. That's what I think. Yeah, there was a point in time before I moved, um, and I, I had these fish dialed, and not necessarily that I knew these fish, but I, I had a pretty good idea on how they function and everything. And um, for me, the fun part is, like, figuring out how to trick these fish and continuously trick them. But there was a point in time where, like, I just, I knew these fish too well, and I'd go out and I'd catch fish. Not saying it wasn't fun, but it was just, like, it was clockwork. And so moving down here and getting back into fishing, um, down here where I live, it's a lot of like rivers, like river smallmouth and pike and stuff. And up at home, it was all lakes. So coming down here and spending the last four months kind of learning how, learning the way the water is in the river and where to cast to, how to not waste casts and shit. It, uh, <laughs> it's made it so much more fun to me. And then when I go back home, it's a lot more fun because I haven't been there for a month. Right. So I don't know what these fish are doing. I don't remember what I was doing this time last year, two years ago, what my cadence was or anything or what the water temperature yep. is. Like I, I, it's, it's just fun not being stuck in a place where I was and I would just continuously pound this spot every day. Agreed. And it was just a nice change of scenery. Yeah, I totally agree. I absolutely see that. In fact, if I don't, if I don't get out and fish for a week, I get back on the water. I feel like so disconnected, like, Oh fuck. I better, yeah, yeah. I better figure out what's happening. Cause if, if I'm going consistently a couple times a week on the water, I, I can start, you know, I, you get really tuned in, right? You, especially if you're really focusing, you're really tuned in on what they're doing and how they're feeding and what, you know, where they're located. And then if I'm off for a week or two sometimes, uh, and I get back, I'm like, dude, what, what? I don't even know what to do. Like, I have no idea what to do. Well, I do, yeah. but you know, it takes me a while <laughs> to kind of get back and figure it out. And that, that, and that, so, so I, I guess, I guess to round that out, um, I, I would tell new people that are starting that, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's some very basic things you need to get down, right? Um, but if you really want to take yourself to a whole nother level, um, is just, is just focus on the fish. And I, I know that's easier said than done. And it does, it almost sounds stupid, but man, watch them in the water, watch how they're swimming. Watch, well, you know, watch, <laughs> watch what are they, are they near milfoil? Are they near, near rocks? You know, and, and if they are, how are they relating to the, like so many different things? And then what, what is the... Are there, are there, you know, is it, is it bluegill right there? Are they feeding on, are they feeding on, you know, you just never know. Um, so you can never go and assume this is, well, I'm just going to go and I'm going to go hit my spots. Well, shit, man. Spots change. You know, the, the, the forge changes sometimes on what they're focused on. When trout, the lake I fish in December, when they start planting trout, those big fish, those 10 pounders, they don't, dude, I don't think they eat anything else. I think they, they migrate. They migrate into the sections where the trout are being planted and they sit there, they wait for the plant, they eat a few trout, and then they sit back in their deep, you know, their, their deeper set or their, their ambush. Yeah, yeah. They move up, they feed, they drop back down, and then during the summer, they scatter back out. So if, if I didn't know any of that stuff, then I would just be fishing the same spot. Like, where are these fish? Dude, in the winter, they were all stacked up right here. Where You don't know, and then you feel lost. That's just a small, like, example of how people get lost in what they're doing and then they get frustrated and, and they lose confidence. And if you don't have confidence in, in, in your fishing, it is over. I don't care what bait, what bait you're throwing. If you don't have the, if you don't have your self um, induced confidence, right. That you manufacture on your own. Cause I got to tell you, every time I throw a bait, I feel like I'm going to catch a 10 cover on that cast. Even though I, you know, even though I know I'm not going to every single time, right. Yeah. I, but I feel like that. And I don't know if that's unique to me. I don't know if other people feel that because I don't really talk to a lot of other people about that. But I know that when I go, 
I my confidence, I feel like it, and that's not you. It's hard. It's super hard to maintain because you'll go out, especially swim bathing. You'll go out and blank, <laughs> you know, for for a month or two, easy, just blank. And you have you're just you're like, dude, do I even know what I'm doing anymore? Like, do I need to go trout fishing? Like, do I need to switch? You know, you don't know what to do anymore, and, and it's easy <laughs> yeah. to lose that confidence. But if you can start to generate your own confidence, or at least start to build on something, um, it it just seems like the catch ratios go way way up from there that's yeah. that's my opinion for sure there was a point in the spring that i could go out and i could fish a glide bait in a certain pool right off this spillway and i would catch one or two pike every time i went out and that went on for about two or three weeks um and i'd, I'd fish usually i'd fish sunday night uh like tuesday um and then thursday and then i'd go friday after work for i had it done at my girlfriend's house and i did that for about three weeks i'd get a few extra days in here and there and then i remember one weekend i was gone i left friday morning and i didn't come back until monday night and i came back and i just i walked down to the river and i'm like holy shit like it rained while i was gone the water's so much higher <laughs> right what the fuck and i remember i i sat there for i think two weeks and i i fished the tiny clash i fished uh i had a 250 at the time i fished a hud i fished all sorts of shit didn't catch anything and so like what like, like you said if you're not there all the time and you're not putting in the work you kind of you come back and you're flustered because the, the scenario sure. has changed and you just have to relearn everything, which isn't a bad thing, but it's like, no, damn, like I was on a hot bite and I fucked up <laughs> and now I have to figure it out again. And that happens. I mean, that just happens, right? You'll be out fishing and be on a streak. Like in this spring, I went three trips in a row. I caught an 11. The next trip I caught a 13 and then I caught oh an eight gosh. the very next trip. Um, and that was three trips in a row. And I was like, Oh f- dude, I could do anything right now. My confidence was, <laughs> but, yeah. And, th- and then I, since that eight, I don't, th- I think I've caught one six in the last couple months. Like that's oh how my. it goes. That is how it goes. And you're fishing a lot of the same stuff. Now the transition from, from winter to fall, you know, sorry, winter to, to, um, uh, spring into, into summer post fall and all that. There's all these, you know, variables, but, um, that you just got to ride those waves and then it'll for me they come in bunches it just seems like they come in bunches uh, i don't know why that is but you never give up and you never stop learning just keep on growing yeah so kind of trailing off of kind of the how, how you got into it and everything we kind of went off on a tangent there but i won't complain because that was it was awesome hearing hearing like what you've gone through to get where you are today <laughs> um so i guess like the the real big thing i wanted to talk about is how did how did fall of 74 come around and like what exactly was it when you first started did you start off making bait wraps or was that just kind of like a nickname or yeah so um i you know how it started is there was a bait maker um brock hiroshima Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah yeah okay so he has and he he made bait wraps with his baits and um i was really into his baits for a while and um, I remember when I was buying or selling them, everybody would ask, do you have the wrap? Do you have the wrap? I remember everybody was asking that. I'm like, man, these wraps are like, nobody wants to buy it unless you have the wrap with it. And just <laughs> something clicked in my brain. I'm like, you know, there's not a lot of options for bait wraps. Um, it just didn't seem like there was a lot of options. There's Swimbait Underground. There's, there's uh, Ice Surrender and these, these Brock ones. And I thought um, it was going through my mind that, you know, I really sh- – really want to do something like that. i think i should do something like that. it'd be really fun i want i'm i don't i'm not I'm, i don't know how to build baits i don't know how to do that those guys are amazing Piz <laughs> yeah. and these guys like they are amazing what they do but i'm not that and i knew i wasn't that 
I'm not, you know, what else is there? And I, and these raps are really stuck in my, in my mind. And, and, um, I just decide, Oh, my, my daughter bought me a, a chef knife one time, a really nice chef knife. And it came in this, this zipper wrap, uh, that was made for knives. And I looked at that zipper wrap and, I'm, and it just, it just, it just dinged in my brain. I'm like, dude, this is the perfect wrap, uh, for, 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 a, for a swim bait. So I started putting my swim yeah, baits in. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I got, I got to find somebody to make this. And it took me a couple months to find somebody. I finally found a guy that here locally um, who is just like a, he, he just does sewing, you know, like cars and whatever. And so I went to him with this idea and I took him that wrap and I was like, I want to do something like this. And so he built, he built me a few, uh, you know, uh, uh, prototypes and, and I was like, all right, this, and they're just wraps. So it's prototypes, like they're not, you know, it's not like, <laughs> yeah, it's not you like don't have to go and find it or anything. I, I know, yeah, but you know, at least an idea of what I wanted to do. And so I've been using him ever since, and and I decided that I want to start selling them. Um, and I cu- I couldn't think of a name, and I'm like, you know, I was born in the fall of 1974, so that oh. like to me, it just was like, boom, I'm just going to be the fall of 74, and that's how my name came about. Uh, and when I that's when I launched it, that I was going to be Fall seventy four. I'm just gonna make these bait wraps. I'm not trying to take over the world. I don't. If you if if they if they work for people, awesome, right? If if people can utilize these and use them, I think they're perfect because I bent it. I'll bet you eighty percent of my ten pound fish have come from the bank. Ten, at least have come from bank fishing, and I would walk That's the banks crazy, and I'd have to keep swim baits on me, right? And obviously. I, I, these wraps were perfect, and they slid in my pocket. They were slid, you know put in my my backpack. And I yeah, just thought yeah. this is perfect for this. So um, that's kind of what, that's kind of what, how it was born. And, I, you know, I, I'm not, a, I don't sew myself. I have a couple people that help me, you know, that I send all the material and I send it to them and they build them and they send them back to me. And I, and then I do releases. And, and so I feel not, I don't feel like a fraud because I, that's not, that's not the right word, but I, I'm not the one building them. Right. It's not, I mean, these are like square things with zipper, like whatever. Um, but it's fun. It keeps me kind of, it keeps me a little connected into the, into the, into the swim bait world. Cause I love it. Um, I, I love being a part of the community and I love when I see people buy them and, and, you know, I see things on the, on forums like, Oh, Hey, I'm looking for some way to store my, my swim baits. And when I see people post like, Oh, fall 74, it, you know, I just feel, it makes me feel really good. Like I, I, I don't know. I just love being a part of it. I could shut it down tomorrow and, and live my life. No problem. But right. it's super fun. It's super fun for me. Um, I've met amazing people. The art, I love art. Um, and so I've been able, my, most of my artists come from my wife and my daughter. They're both artists. Um, they've done art for me. I've had some friends do art for me. Big Gus has done some art for me. Um, so, uh, and so it's been fun. It's just been a fun thing to do on the side. Uh, you know, but, and I'm not like these garage builders or, or some of the bigger builders. I, I don't, I don't sit there and like come up with these concepts and, you know, you know build baits and, and all these different things that they do that they, they are amazing. And I would never take away from, from uh, what any of these guys do, but I do love to collab, you know, with, with swim, I've collabed with swim bait universe. I'm doing one right now with F5 stray rats blanked. I mean, I've, I've been able to collab with a lot of guys and build, you know, wraps and put logos on them for their companies. So it's just a good way for me to stay engaged in the community be a part of it and and um because uh, I, I don't make money on it i don't make money on my on this on these bait on these bait wraps i just i sell them 
And then I immediately take that money and I buy a bunch more material and, and yeah. pay my guys. And, and I keep, I am keeping some people, you know, um, busy and I, I uh, which I, I appreciate too. Um, uh, there, one of them is a stay at home mom. Um, she has a, br- a brand new baby and, and she doesn't work, but this is how she makes her money. Uh, I pay right. her to make my raps for me. And, and the other guy, he's, he's a disabled, he's disabled in a wheelchair. Um, and the only way he makes money is doing seamstress, you know, type stuff. And mm-hmm. um, it's nice to know that I'm helping him do his thing. And at the same time, making these cool bait wraps for, for the swim bait world. And, and you know, I, I remember thinking these guys are paying two, three, four hundred $400 for a bait. And they're just throwing <laughs> them into, they're just throwing them into like, you know, a, a box or deep. something. Yeah. yeah. And I know be- most people don't care. But for me, man, I don't want it to get beat up and chipped and. It's going to happen probably a bit eventually, but I, I just, if it makes sense to spend 20 bucks on a wrap and cover it and protect it, um, as well as be able to put them all together in one spot and not have them tangled. It just makes too much sense to me. Oh, for sure. Um, do you remember when, like, so this idea popped into your mind? You went and you found your, your guy and you're like, hey, like, uh, do you remember? Did you order, did you only order a couple, like five or 10 to first start off <laughs> yeah. just to kind of test the market? Oh my gosh, they they were rough at first. Yeah, I, I uh, <laughs> yeah, they were really rough. I didn't know what I had no idea what I was doing. Um, yeah, they were really rough, and I was like, oh, these are kind of cool. They weren't exactly what I was thinking. So we've we've worked together to really kind of make it better and better and better, better material. At first, I'm like, oh, you can only use Cordura nylon material, you know, 600D like certain material, and then I started learning that you don't. Dude, I can make them out of anything, all right? As long yeah. as it works water. So I've been able to do some really custom stuff. I do the, the, the um, uh, what do you call it? The uh, coffin wraps were really fun. Like, I've had some really fun things to do with it. But yeah, they at first they were rough. And they've just gotten better. Now, there's more in my brain that I want to do. I want to do multi-bait wraps, right? Like the Swimmate Underground type, type yeah, of thing. Yeah. Where it's, a, it's, you know, like I would love to do Exactly. Ones. Yep, I would love to do that. But, you know, the, there's just not enough bandwidth with the people that I'm using. Um, and I'm not going to – I've thought about going to a manufacturer and having a manufactured. But then I would kind of lose a little bit of the smallish, you know, sense yeah. of what I'm doing. So, right. yeah, um, yeah that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And then um, – so, I mean, your first, your first couple you made, were they just plain – just regular standard yeah. solid color and then how, yep. how much longer did it take until you're like okay like people are really interested in this first off second yep. off what can i do to kind of not necessarily get in front of the guys who make wraps but kind of stand out from them and kind of somebody somebody sees it at bolt ramp they're like oh that's a that's a fall 74 uh, yeah. bait wrap like yeah. I, you know, yeah, at first they were just, I was like a solid colors, right? Black. I had black. I had some, um, I had a couple that were like a black camo color. That's what I really started yeah. out with. And then, um, the guy I was telling you about the, this, this disabled, uh, guy that I have doing it. He, he has all this material, uh, leftover material. And so I started going through it one day. I'm like, dude, let's try some of this. And then he started making different colors. And then it, it just, every release has kind of grown in my brain. Like, okay, now I'm going to buy a, uh, you know, half a hide of leather, um, which I've done multiple times. Or I'm going to, I want to, you know, just different colors, different patterns, different, you know, anything to be just a little bit different. Um, right. And then I wanted to be the best, whatever the, I buy. I mean, I, I do not spare any money when I'm buying, I buy the best material. I buy the best zipper. I buy the best, you know, not the, you know, you can be real cheap with stuff, right? I buy <laughs> whatever is the most expensive. Cause I want it to be 
somebody called it the Louis Vuitton of uh, <laughs> and, I, and it kind of stuck in my brain because I, I like that. I want to be really kind of like a high end, really cool. Um, like I said, I don't need to make a ton because it's not how I make a living. Um, right. So I don't mind spending the money. And because guys get them and they love them, like dude, they they freaking love them. And I, I, so I'm trying to up it more and more as as I continue. It's been what did I start in 2017? Yeah, I started in 2017, and and um, it, yeah, it's just I, I grow every time. Every week, I'm trying to think of something different to come out with, and it's difficult because I only get you know a batch of 60 or 70 at a time a month and then i sell yeah. them out and then i'm you know i've got to wait and then everybody's messaging me on instagram hey can you make this one can you can you and i need one for this and i'm like <laughs> i would love to do that dude i would love to do that but i just i already have like 16 collabs lined up I've, i right. on top of that i need to do releases just for guys that have bait wraps and i i, you know, I feel bad sometimes because i don't get to do the real specific stuff that people want um but i mean i am i can, I can only do what i'm doing eventually somebody else is going to start doing it um, which is fine. And I know there's some other guys that have made different raps and I, it's awesome. Um, I think we all need to push each other and be better at what we're doing. But, um, for right now, I love what I'm doing. I love being part of the community. I love the, making these raps and keeping these people kind of working on the side. And, and, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that business. I, I definitely understand what you mean by you have all these ideas, but you can only, you can only hold yourself to making 60 or 70 plus keep right. up with regular production. Like, the um the slap of the month that I'm doing like I have I have a I have a sketchbook right next to me and I think it's filled with like nine ten or eleven different designs that I have with different bake makers that I I just I want to make them all I want to order all my designs tomorrow and then right. next week I want to get all the stickers made and it's like I can't do that like I gotta I gotta hold on to this shit yep not only so not only so I don't run out of ideas but so I give everybody that I work with a month in the spotlight spotlight i use that term very loosely yeah. but a month, I, I give everybody a month to to be able to sell a sticker and stuff and it's it's so awesome that people enjoy what i do and I it is it like what i do but relative to like you doing these doing these raps and stuff like you i always see guys posting baits like they'll post a bait for sale and it's on top of a fall 74 wrap and the yeah. guy's like it's yeah. the wrap for sale and the guy's like no like i'm keeping yeah. the wrap and it's just that's just got to be such an awesome feeling and not even to mention, like you're having a revolving door of business for these people that hook you up. I mean, you're you're keeping them. Just, I mean, it's just a revolving door for everybody in the community. Exactly. Not even the fishing community, like you said, you outsource to these two other people that are local to you who right. might not necessarily have uh, like a nine to five job, but they just get, they get to sit at home and make these wraps all right. day, and they're making. I mean, they're having a good time. So it's just a win win for everybody. Yeah, I get pushed quite a bit. Like, dude, buy your own machine, start making them on your own, and and I I have a full time. Yeah, I have a I have a I have a uh, you know I, I work. I have a full time yeah. job, and I travel yeah. a lot. I have a large area that I'm in charge of, and so I don't. I can't like, and I'm not. I just can't do that. I just can't do that right now. So I'm not. Uh, I think I, I haven't plateaued. I'm, I have so much more I want to do. I have a bunch of. I did gun wraps for a while. Um, yeah, I started yeah. doing some gun wraps, so I am starting to do different things. It just takes a while to roll things out because they, uh, like I said, it's a small workforce. If I could find more people that wanted to do some for me and I'll pay them to do them, I, the more the merrier. I, I would love to do more. I don't but know yeah. that I really want to go to a, I'm toying with the idea of maybe going to a manufacturer and, you know, ordering 2000 of one color and they're just always in stock when people need them because yeah, yeah. sold out. I mean, I sell out 
within minutes when I do a release. Yeah. I sell out really fast. And then people are hitting me up for weeks after, like, hey, when's your next release? When's this going to happen? When's it going to happen? And I wish they, were, they could just go on the site, buy some, and, and, and move on. But um, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm, I have plans to get bigger. I have plans to do way more things um, with it. And, and um, so there's more coming. It, there's more coming. Yeah, going off to like the sellout thing. I remember it was your April drop when you had like that green camo yeah. type uh, type wrap. And I was I was so fucking excited. Like I set an alarm and everything. I, I was at my girlfriend's house and I, I had to get up and do something. And it was like a couple minutes before it dropped. I come back like 10 minutes later and they're all sold out. And uh, I remember I didn't say anything because I was pissed off. And my <laughs> girlfriend asked me the next day. She's like, oh, did you did you end up buying one of those bait wraps? And I was like, no, they were sold oh, out. Man. She's like, oh, my gosh, you serious? I was like, yeah, I was like, because you had you, we had to go do something. And if I, I was like, I was so pissed. I was like, I wanted one of those so bad. <laughs> you know, you know, I I also keep a batch in my boat now. Um, so when I meet people, I meet a lot of people out on the water a lot because um, I've got like I've got my boat, you know, has fall 74 on the side. So people will stop right. me. And I love to give, like, I saw some kids fishing and I pulled up on the dock and this kid goes, oh, I follow you. I know who you are. He's got all excited. <laughs> and um, so I reached in and I got him some, you know, I got him a couple of wraps and gave them to him. I give to, I give to a ton of giveaways, right? Like the, yeah. I, the smacking bass one I've, 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 I've given to him a bunch of times. Um, you, you know, I, so I give them away. I give a lot away too, um, just because I like, I just like people having it. Um, and like I said, I'm not here trying to make a bunch of money on them at all. In fact, I, like I said, I do not, I do not make money on them. Uh, I also do raffles on the weekends. Like every Saturday I do a raffle. I am, I don't make yep, I've been anything that. on those raffles. Um, I don't, in fact, I've almost stopped so many times, but people love the ra the raffles. So I do it because sometimes I remember a guy won one of my raffles one time and he called, he left me like a voice memo and he was crying because he would have <laughs> never been able to buy that bait on his own you know he's on a very tight tight budget he barely had the money to even enter the raffle and he, he was crying and i was like dude this is exactly why i like doing these raffles because people it, some people actually are kind of rude they're like they don't even care they don't say thank you they just you know just send it here yeah, send or, it their address. yeah yeah they just send your address no like oh awesome like nothing and that's fine um but it's it's really the people that that i the reason i started doing raffles is just so people that couldn't afford you know, a two, three, four dollar bait could get it for for twenty bucks. And I don't do yeah. like some of these raffles that are like you know a, a, a typical retail of two hundred, and I'm I'm doing it for four hundred. I, I do exactly what retail is on a bait, um, so I'm not making it. And I buy baits literally just to turn around and, and put them in the raffle. Um, so so I, I don't know if people understand that i'm not making money off raffles either in fact i do second place and third place and that comes directly out of my pocket i i do wraps shirts you know uh, slaps and different things that i give away to the second and third place people um and that's directly out of my pocket every single time so um the raffles are a lot of fun it's been another way to just kind of engage with people and help people out so uh, on both ends i love just being a part of it i love helping people um, and I can't wait until I can do more things with my Sunbay wraps. I, I, I have a lot of ideas and a lot of things I want to do. And hopefully, um, hopefully they all come to fruition here in the next few months. Yeah. I mean, that, it's, it's been awesome. I've only been following you for like two, two and a half years, but like just the process of like seeing you like, <laughs> go from, go from like standard colors to doing like the coffin 
yeah or the, the leather coffins or yes. the camos or like the uh you had some like actual like fur ones didn't you at one yeah point yeah like animal fur i have yeah I did, some, yeah I did some yeti ones uh like white fur they were called yeti wraps for a while they were like heavy long fur um yeah i mean I, there's so many and they're they're fun they're just super fun and i mean it's just like a novelty really um i know i know there's cheaper ones out there i know people some people don't <laughs> believe in them that's awesome whatever do whatever you got to do i i just like I just like what I'm doing. I I really like it. It's it's always fun to. I mean, it it happens quite a lot, honestly. In like the in the cliche group we're in, but like you see somebody start out something and they're they're small. Like they have a they have a couple guys who are interested, and then you slowly see it. Like you check in on them, and a year later, and they have they have a huge following, and you're like, holy shit! Right. Like, right? I mean, it's it's awesome. You see it with bait makers all the time. You see it with painters. Relative to like how long this has been going on, like the podcast has grown absolutely crazy. I was at 390 followers this time last week, and I'm almost at <laughs> 450. Oh, I mean, it's, nice! It's it's crazy. I'm about to roll over 3,000 plays on I all the it. episodes. I mean, it's 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 crazy to see that guys take interest in this stuff, and then like it just goes pedal to the metal, and like you check back in a year later, and you're like, holy shit! Like I can't believe I've grown this much. It's just it's an awesome feeling, and it's it's even it's even cooler to to support somebody when they're doing that. Like the first guys who bought your wraps, like when it wasn't like a huge deal. Yep. And then they look back uh, yep. two or three years later and they're like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I remember when these, these wraps were on the site for two days and now they sell out in 15 minutes. Like how the hell am I supposed to get one now? Yeah. I, I, I have a, I remember the first set that I sold, the guy wanted me to sign him, And uh, he recently hit me up. This is in 2017. He recently hit me up and, and sent me pictures of them. And it just took awesome. me right back to being, you know, to when I was first starting. I, mean, I had no, yeah. I had zero followers, and and now I'm, it's like over six thousand uh, all of a sudden. And, and um, a part of that is I caught when I caught that I caught a fort. My biggest bass I've caught is as a fourteen two. Um, at, on December thirty first of two thousand nineteen, I caught a fourteen two, um, and that for some reason that blew up. I got a lot of followers, but anytime I post a big fish. I, I tend to get a, an influx of followers. That usually is what it is. But, you know, I wanted to touch on something. You, you, you know, you're, you're doing this podcast. And you started small and it's fun to watch it grow. You know, there's other podcasts out there, right? And, yeah, and what yeah. I think is cool is that the more people that get into it, it starts to really diversify. It becomes everybody has to kind of step their game up a little bit and be better right. at what they're doing, be better at their questioning, be, you know, be better at, at the way it's structured and, you know, all that stuff. And I think I think that's what's cool about um, this swim bait game is a lot of people are trying to are, are pushing the envelope, right? They're continually pushing and push. As long as you're not copying, like straight up copying, um, I, I like the fact that people continue to push. That's why I like that you started this podcast, and I love that it's still eh, fairly small. If you you know, I do use quotation marks because oh, you're yeah, growing yeah. very quickly. But I love I, I'm attracted to this type of forum because. I like, especially with bait makers. Um, there's a lot of bait makers. You had Gracie, Grace, is it Gracely? Gracely? Gracely, yep, Gracely. Um, yep. Yeah, he started making those little those little glides. And they're, it's not, you know, I, I typically don't use really small. I'm not really a finesse glide bait or swim bait guy. I, I go big right. typically. But when he started and he hit me up, he's like, hey, I really want you to try this. I was like, dude, I love to support that kind of stuff. Hood glides, 
when Hook was first starting, he hit me up and it was like, hey, I have this new bait. I want you to try it out. And dude, right away, I was like, this this is amazing. It's a great, amazing glide. So I love to get with um, people that are not as established because I think they're hungry and they're growing and they have so much to offer. And, and, um, and I want to see them succeed more than not the, more than other people per se as much as I just want to see people get you know get to where they want to go I, I really enjoy yeah. that I mean I couldn't tell you how many times in the last two weeks I've fucking been just scrolling uh, <laughs> a whole bunch of different sites just trying to figure out like if I want to make t-shirts like how right. how the fuck do I do that where, where do I go through like a big thing I want to do right now is I want to do like uh, corduroy hats with patches but nice. looking into it I'm like like that's like Maybe, maybe I'll do that next year because that's fucking expensive. Yeah. It's so expensive. I know. I know. You got to be prepared to be putting up a couple thousand dollars on, yeah, on product yeah. right before you get going. So, yeah, I, I believe me. I get that. But like I said, I, I, I'm really honored to be on this podcast with you. I, I'm, I, I really enjoy um, having these conversations, and, and I appreciate you even having me on here in the first place. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about, or is now a good time to kind of – tone it down oh i know i just was saying that in general if you uh if you have anything else i mean i'm i'm, I'm open i just was i was just saying i i, I was kind of piggy, pig, piggybacking on what you were yeah, talking yeah. about um at how you know people start i started small not that i'm big but i love seeing my name you know like you said you see pictures and then there's the fall 74 rap on there or they're up for sale on the black market and some underground yeah. or whatever and, and i think that's really cool like that's a cool like it makes you feel uh, like you kind of succeeded a little bit in what you were trying to do. And, and uh, so, and then I tried to <laughs> try to tie together with what you were doing as well. I wasn't trying to wrap it up, but yeah. No, I mean, no, you're good. Whatever else and that's, you got uh, for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I got two more questions, but um, kind of going back to like see, seeing your stuff. I mean, there was a guy, uh, a guy I talked to pretty frequently. He bought some stickers um, and he just put, he put them on his, uh, his working class zero board and he, he fucking caught a six pounder the other day and posted a picture and like, there's my sticker. And I'm like, I mean, it's a sticker. Amazing? Like it didn't help. It didn't help you catch the fish at all. But like, just to see like somebody buy, buy my yep. $5, $7 sticker and just to throw yep. it on their board and just see somebody post it and then tag me. And I'm like, damn, like it, it just feels awesome. It really does. It really does. I I'm telling you, I, I see it all the time when I see people's workspaces and I see my sticker there. I'm like, Oh, nice. Yeah. I love it. I love seeing that. Um, yeah, I really, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's an ego thing. I don't know if it's just, I, I guess it just feels like you, you've done something, you know, you succeeded yeah. at something. I right. don't know. I don't know what the thing is, but yeah, I enjoy it too. I totally, totally Kinda, get that. I mean, really like piggyback, piggybacking off of that. What, um, how did it feel when Marling Bates made the video <laughs> of him making that bait for you? And then boom, there's your wraps on his oh. bench with his baits in it. Dude, uh, you know, so I, I started watching his videos about a year ago. I just was watching okay. them. I never commented on YouTube. I never, I don't <laughs> think I even liked him. I just was watching, like, this guy's, Yeah. I love his personality, and, um, you know, he's obviously an amazing bait builder. He does these things. He, You talk about thinking outside the box. The guy's all over the place. Well, yeah, for all sure. of a sudden I get this message from him on Instagram, and he's like, hey, dude, what do you think about doing you know, a swap. I, I've been looking at your wraps. I'd love to have some of your wraps. I could build you a bait. I, I was literally for a minute, I was looking at my phone like, seriously? I, I, I've never even talked to him before. Never. <laughs> um, and here all of a sudden he's messaging me and I'm like, hell yeah, dude, I'm fucking down. What? Right. Let's do it. And, and, and then, you know, I, I made a bunch of, like I made um, personal wraps for him. I put his logo on a bunch of them. 
Um, I gave him like a couple coffin ones and, and uh, yeah, so now when I watch it and I see it, but I also caught my 13 that I caught this year, I caught on the bait he built for me. Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. I know. It's like, dude, he built that bait. I took it out and I was like, I remember, anyway, I, I spotted these fish. There was a group of fish in a, in a weed clump, big fish. And they were, it was right off a little hump. And I, I knew they were watching the trout as the trout were coming over this little hump. I knew they were sitting there like ambushing them. So anyway, I'm like, oh, this is a perfect, this is like the perfect scenario for this bait. And I toss it right over the top. She came up initially uh, and kind of swiped at it, dropped down. And I pulled, and I was like, all right, I need to pull off the spot. I pulled off the spot for like 20 minutes, circled back. She was right back in there. I threw it back again. And this time, uh, as she pulled up, I started to burn it pretty quick. And she just, 13 pounds, just completely annihilated. And I'm like, oh, my, oh my God. Gosh. Yeah, it worked out perfect. But yeah, now when I watch his videos, I see him traveling. Like, he'll, he'll open his backpack and my wraps are in there. Yeah. I'm like, that's, or my sticker up on the wall or something. And yeah, I, I, you know, he's just, he's another one of those guys. He just does his thing. He just does his thing. And I, I, it's awesome. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, like you said, I don't know if it's human nature or if it's like personal. I don't know. Just, just the thought that you put, you put your hard work into something, you think of something, you get it made, and then somebody, like wants to take a picture with it like even if it is just a sticker or just a bait wrap like it it makes you feel some sort of way like wow like they're either a actually using my bait wrap or like b like they didn't just throw their sticker like on a work desk or something they threw it on something that it's related to that it's like gonna go out and it's gonna see fish get caught and stuff i don't know it's just it's a crazy feeling and i didn't really i i I sold out i sold a shit ton of stickers and i'm like okay this is cool like they're gonna be on water bottles and stuff but see a (laughs) fish get posted by one i'm like damn like (laughs) that's badass like i want want that feeling all the time it's super cool it is really actually super cool but um yeah you know as far as marling i i i I was super honored by that and and uh blown away and and um he even was wearing my shirt and i was like dude this is just like this is like a whole other i I gained a lot of followers just from him doing that too actually oh i believe it yeah yeah, he's he was a good dude. In fact, he just messaged me the other day because I get a now I'm getting a lot of messages from people asking for his PO box, uh, and I'm like, ooh, I'm not going to give out his, uh, you know. So I messaged him yeah. like, bro, I'm getting a lot of people asking me. He's like, dude, do you know that it's in the description of every video? I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't know it was in the description. So, so if you want his PO box, don't don't worry, you can ask me for it. Yeah, yeah, um, kind of like a, a bigger question to kind of round it all up before we close it up here. What's your most memorable catch? And then what made that, like, what makes that stick out to you? What makes you think of that whenever you're out fishing? Like, I want, I want a fish to eat like that, or I want to catch a fish just like I did that day. Oh my goodness. Thanks. Um, I think my first 10 pounder was one of my, one of my, probably one of my most memorable where it just was like, uh, I had fished my whole life. And, and I, 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 I remember thinking, I don't think I'm ever going to get into the, the 10 pound club. There was like, you know, that was like the thing, right? If you caught a 10, you were, you'd made it. And I just yeah, so yeah. long and so hard and never even really tangled or interacted with a fish that big. And so when I caught that 10, I just remember sitting there with her in my lap and I, I just, it just, uh, that s- sense of accomplishment and that sense of like, this this has never happened to me this is like the pinnacle right of everything i've done um and it really lit the fuse of wanting to just only catch that fish moving forward um that was probably the most memorable of all of them um i i think the but after that (laughs) 
the most memorable was is it wasn't even it wasn't a catch. It was um, I was fishing a lake, and the lake record is almost nineteen pounds, eighteen something. Holy shit! I'm fishing the lake, um, and I I'm walking the bank. I didn't have a boat at the time. I'm walking the bank, and I see this boulder out in like ten feet of water, and there is two. They're they're double digits. I 10, 11 pounds somewhere in there, and they're they're both sitting on each side of the rock. They're kind of suspended on each side of the rock. So I I kneel down. I'm I'm casting towards them, and they they followed a couple times. They're not super interested, and I thought, well, I'm going to do a really long cast, and maybe they're seeing the they're they're seeing the uh, uh, they're hearing the bait hit the water. I don't know. I, I want to come in at a different different angle, different depth. I cast way way out, and as I'm reeling in, I'm reeling in, but I'm watching the two fish, these two fish on each side of the rock. I'm watching them. And as my bait's yep. getting closer, I look up, into, and it's clear, clear water. I look up at my bait, and behind my bait is a fish I, that I, I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget it. I, I, it, it was both of these 10-pounders put together. I, I, I can't put into words. I've seen a lot of – I mean, I've hooked 15-pounders. I held a 16-pounder one time. I, I've caught a 14-pounder. But this – I've caught multiple 13s. So, but this fish, I, I, in fact, I had to like check myself. I didn't know what it was. And as I kept reeling, I just kept a continual pace. She followed it. The two, the two big bass that were on the rock on that boulder moved off. They, they just, they just slid right off. And that big fish came up and I, I was running out of room cause I was getting near the bank and she followed it all the way. And I had to stop the bait about a, a foot from the bank. It was still, it was like a pretty sharp drop off. I mean, it was probably two, three feet of water right off the, right off the bank and the rocks. And I, I killed the bait and she, I'm, and I'm probably 15 feet away from her and she pulls up on top of it and then she turns sideways to it. And when she turns sideways, um, I, I gotta tell you, dude, I think she was, I think she was 18 or 19 pounds probably. Uh, Gosh. it's the biggest fish I had, I had ever seen. In person, it was the biggest fish I'd ever seen near a bait of mine. And she w- got her nose so close to that bait. Uh, and I tried to make her react to it. You know, I tried so hard to get something. To, and she, she nosed it. And like I said, when she turned sideways, I saw her entire girth of her body. Like, I saw her entire body. And um, like I said, I've caught quite a few 10-pound bass. This was, this was double the size of any fish I'd, I'd caught. I swear to God. And, um, I, I, and she... she she backed up a little bit and swam off. Never, I've never seen her since. I've never seen a fish like that. I fished that spot thousands of times since. Then. Well, I've, I caught my fourteen too, not far from where she was caught, the same lake. Um, but I'll never forget that fish. That, that was something that um, I don't know how often that's happened. And people, you know, how many people are out swimming fishing and they don't get to see that fish, and it was right. actually flowing or something, or maybe a bit, and they didn't even know it or whatever. But um, that was one that stuck out in my brain as being <laughs> like, I, it would have just, it would have blown my mind that it was just the most, it was the most gigantic bass I've ever seen. It could have been, it could have been in the 19 or 20 pound range. If I really, she was so huge. I, I, I've just, I, to this moment, I almost have a loss of words for how big that fish was. I went back That's time crazy. after time after time trying to, trying to locate that fish. And I, I never saw her again, never saw her again. Well, that was a hell of a way to close it up right there. I mean, that was a hell of a story. It was a fun story, man. I wish, I wish, I wish I could have got her to react to it. Uh, but she's, 
I think she knew when she was sitting on top of it that it, it probably wasn't real. And, and uh, she just backed off and slowly sat away. But that few seconds of, of watching her come in and, and sitting there and turning side, I don't know why she turned sideways. I, I, to this day, I don't know why. She was, she was facing the bank and then just turned completely sideways. And when she turned, I, I just remember thinking, oh, my, I, if, it just like my eyes were bouncing in my head. I had never seen anything like it. But so it's, Maybe my most memorable wasn't an actual catch as much as something that I interacted with. It's probably a once in a lifetime type of scenario. Right. Yep. Damn, that's crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. Crazy, crazy. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on. It was uh, a lot of fun. I know, I know you're a very busy guy. We, we talked about this in like April and I know you had work going on and everything, but I, I yep. want to, I want to give a huge thank you for kind of, I mean, you messaged me back and you're like, the last week, you're like, hey, do you want to shoot for sometime this week? I was like, absolutely. Like, I want you on for sure. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about it. Um, like I said, I, I love the podcast. I love, I love what you're doing and um, I support it. I support it and I'm here for it. And whatever I can do to help, uh, I'm down for it. If you have any questions about, you know, T-shirts and, and, and anything else, uh, you know, I've had to learn the hard way. So, so uh, if you have questions, <laughs> yeah. I don't mind helping out. And uh, you know, I hope I hope this thing blows up for you, and and um, you are the podcast to be on at some point. Alrighty, I appreciate that a lot, Jared. I will make sure I link Fall seventy four in the, uh, the description of this episode. I also do the website along with the Instagram. Um, make sure if you guys haven't already, you're following Scales and Tails underscore podcast. I will link that in there. As long, or with, I will also link it with the Slap Shop where you guys can buy the June sticker, which. You guys will be listening to this uh, June 15th, Wednesday, which is tomorrow, which is when I'm doing the June um, giveaway drawing for that uh, DRTTK in full moon. I think it's like that walleye smallmouth color. But um, you guys will know who wins by the time you hear this, I'm sure. But I want to thank you guys all for listening, and I will talk to everybody next time. Thanks, guys.